All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank you for choosing to be here and uh, just worshiping our great God. For those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium with us here this morning, would you please stand and worship with us? Here we go.
going to have a seat. Happy summer. Yeah, all 12 of you got it. Anyway, good morning, Crossroads. It's good to, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, listen, I love uh, singing worship with you, singing songs unto the Lord and just starting the day off. And even if, you know, you're kind of like just taking in the words, you know, this is a great time to just focus in on Christ and just all the things. Like I know all of us are distracted. You're like, is it summer? You know what I mean? And so just be able to focus on Christ. So thank God for that. Thank God for the, the our band. We have an awesome band. Thank God for them. Yeah, we can clap. Hey, church, I want to let you know a few things that are coming up. And again, when we talk about all these things, they all sit under the banner of we want to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we do all these different things that we do. And so they all fit under that banner. We're moving forward as a church to bring people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of those things is the Operation Christmas Child uh, Ministry. We have an opportunity to be a part of. So as you were coming in, grab a box. As you're leaving, grab a box. So grab two. Uh, you know what I mean? Grab a couple and tell people about it. Go to our website. Check out more information about how you can participate. You can pack a shoebox online. It's 2022. It's a reality. You can do it. And so check out more information about, you know, just we have a packing party coming up on the 13th, the church packing party, as well as you can uh, just see what, you know, when you open up those boxes, you can see what goes in it. So even if you're not 100% sure, grab a box and just know that one box impacts and changes one life. And so today, just think about that as you leave and just grab one uh, and then just bring it back the 14th through the 21st of November. That is going to be the collection week for all those boxes. And then they're going to be shipped off to the next stop. And then it's going to see a child and the faces are going to be incredible. They're going to see a lot. They're going to see this gift. And then they're going to hear about Christ as they get this gift. So very, very cool. Thank God for Deb Metcalf organizing all this. Can we thank God for her? She's doing a great job. Deb, you're the best. OCC captain champion, uh, you know, 2022. So thank God for Deb. And then, hey, listen, on the 20th of November, church, I want to let you know about two things that are coming up. One is that we have our Next Steps membership class. So this is the very beginning of membership at Crossroads. And so it's kind of the first step along the way as you grow here at Crossroads. But this is kind of making that commitment and saying, hey, this is going to be my church home. And so you're going to discover this church and all that we believe and how to be a part of it. And so that's going to be on the 20th. And you can sign up by grabbing that connect card in front of you and just writing next steps and your information and putting it in the offering box or you can register online and let us know you're coming and uh, we look forward to that on the 20th same day we're going to be having our baby dedication so all you people with babies uh, we would love to dedicate your babies uh, here on stage and so it's going to be a great day to see all these families dedicating their babies until the lord so you can uh, register on our website crossroadsministries.com or crs min.com and that's going to be on the 20th as well and then listen on the 23rd that wednesday we're going to be having our thanksgiving eve uh, night of communion and worship and so join us at seven o'clock right here in the auditorium and then afterwards go grab a piece of pie somewhere you know what i mean it's a great opportunity to just be thankful and just pause during the week and just be grateful and thankful for all that god has done and the next day we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, and again, just being grateful uh, for all that God has done in our life. Hey, church, I have, a, I have a challenge for you. Just think about this. 
I would love to hear your story, as I know the whole church would love to hear your story. So if you would like to share your story and would like to share just what God has done in the last month or could be in the last year since our last Thanksgiving Eve uh, night of worship and communion, would you just email me? You can email me and just say, hey, I have a story to share, and then you can give me your email, or I can call you this week, but I would love to hear your story, and we would love to share it, whether it's video or in person. And so you can email me at that email you see there on the screen, uh, or you can let the Welcome Center know as you're leaving. And then in your, in your bulletin, there was a birthday gift to Jesus uh, note in there, and you can see the whole list of all the different missionaries and organizations on there about how you can just be praying about your part and give the most to Jesus than anyone else on your Christmas list this Christmas season. And so you see the goal there is 100000 and so we are going to ask the Lord to provide to reach and meet these needs of these missionaries. So it's going to be just an awesome, awesome thing, and we're going to watch God grow us in giving, and we're going to watch him provide. And so let's seek the Lord and ask him about our part in the birthday gift to Jesus this Christmas. Hey, church, uh, would you stand with me as we uh, pray this morning as we continue on? Lord, you tell us in your word in Psalm 111, praise the Lord. David says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused one, his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Lord, we praise you this morning. We give thanks for your wondrous works, Lord, and we are one of those wondrous works. We are this, this gift of life. So we praise you for that. We praise you for this warm weather, God. We thank you for another day. We thank you for this place that we can gather, that we can worship you freely. Lord, for this body of believers, this body of, that's yours, Lord, is gathered here in your name. So I pray this morning, God, we would see more of your wondrous works by seeing lives changed only because of Jesus Christ. Lord, praise be to your name and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and three days later rose again so that we could have eternal life and that we could be changed forever. Lord, be with your people as we respond in song. God, we love you so much, and in Christ's name we all pray. Amen. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion. You are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe. Through every passing, through every promise, through every breath I take, I believe that you are provider, you are protector, you are the one I love, I believe you are the way, the truth. 
Amen. You may be seated, please. What a great day. We're so thankful that you're here this weekend. And uh, before I continue on, Cal, I'm going to ask Cal Bradley to share with you. We have a concert coming up here in just about a month, about 40 days away here. There you go. We have Charles Billingsley joining us here uh, December 15th and 16th at the Thursday and Friday at 7 p.m. Um, if you guys don't know, Charles Billingsley is an award-winning vocalist and singer. Um, he is a teaching pastor down at Thomas Road Baptist Church in Virginia. Um, but he has joined us before. We've had the pleasure of actually playing with him last year during the Refuel Conference that was held here. And um, he is a professional. He is an amazing talent. And uh, we just had a lot of fun playing with him. And we look forward to hearing him again here on this stage in 40 days. Um, as he uh, sings some Christmas songs for us. He also has an album out. If you guys want to hear him ahead of time, uh, Shadow of Your Smile. That's a nice plug for him. But um, just an amazing talent, and uh, just, it's going to be a great time. All right. So uh, I want to encourage everyone to uh, take that, that uh, insert there. That is not for you. That's for you to give to a friend. I want to encourage you to invite somebody. You know, we talk about our events here. We have cultivating, planting, and reaping. This will be a planting and reaping event where we'll be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and we'll be inviting people to, uh, to receive him that night. So this will be an exciting time. I want to encourage you to, uh, to go ahead and, uh, and, and invite a friend or two. And uh, if you're inviting a friend, I want to encourage you to use the code CRSMIN. There's a discount code on there. You'll receive $5 off on each one of those tickets if you do that. So I want to encourage you to do that. That's coming right up. And then this morning, I've also asked Lupe. This is Lupe McElvaney. Would you welcome Lupe McElvaney this morning? I am, I am so thankful for our young people in our church. And uh, Lupe, how old are you? 16. Lupe is 16. And uh, as you know, we've been, we were praying for her. She went on a mission trip for, I think it was almost a month or more, to, uh, to Honduras. So I've asked her this morning, before we get into our message here, to just share. We should have done this like in August when she came home, but we've all been running. And uh, I'm just so thankful for Lupe. Let's welcome Lupe and let's let her share what happened on that trip. All right. Yeah. Hello. Thank you. And I just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone here for your support and prayers for my mission trip. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. All right, so this summer I went on a mission trip with an organization called Teen Missions International. And it's a world, inter- it's a world organization that allows teens to go on mission trips throughout the country. And I actually learned about this from my mom, who did six of these mission trips when she was a teenager. This is her. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) pretty cool. So I was inspired, and that's why I chose to do it this year. So this year, 200 teenagers from across the country came in, and we were split into 10 different teams. And each team went to a different country, like Tanzania, Zambia, Iceland, Fiji, Honduras. I was on the team that got to go to Honduras. So, yeah. Um, The way the mission trip was structured was that we went for two weeks down to Florida, which is Teen Missions Base, and there we had a boot camp. Um, At boot camp, we got to meet our teams and do a bunch of classes that would teach us skills that would be beneficial on the mission fields, like evangelism, construction, you can see a picture of that, puppets, and (laughs) we had fun doing that, and singing, dancing. They were also mentored spiritually by the leaders, and we grew a lot closer to God. Um, the Teen Missions Boot Camp ended with a commissioning ceremony where um, we all lit candles to signify how we're going to go out and be the light of the world to God. 
to the other people in the countries. Mark 16:15 says, go out and preach the good news to all creation, and we did that. So the next part of this mission trip was that we went to Honduras. We landed in San Pedro Sula, which is a, a big city there, and we traveled all the way across the country to La Mosquitia, which is a remote location off the coast. And we had two missions there. The first one that was that we went on boats, as you can see there, and we would go and share the gospel through a presentation to a lot of little kids. In this presentation, we did singing and dancing in the puppet show, and then we got to hang out with the kids afterwards. They all spoke Spanish, but it was still a really fun time. You can see the pictures there. We're doing the puppet show and for the kids. And I met this <laughs> a few really cool girls and guys, and I was able to talk to them and just love on them, and it was a good experience. You can see the pictures there. Yeah. So our second mission was that we built a fence around the base. We did this in order to keep animals and people out, because Honduras is kind of a dangerous place. So we did a lot of physical work and labor, mixing the concrete and putting up the fence, but it was really rewarding in the end to see it go up. And this whole thing was really rewarding. It was such a good experience to go out and see how other people live and a different culture. It's way different from America. And over this trip, I got to grow a lot spiritually and grow a lot closer to God, and I'm so thankful for that. And I also made a bunch of amazing friends throughout the whole country that I... Um, I just thank you so much, church family, because I wouldn't have been able to go on this without you guys. Thank you. Thank God for her. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you what, I thank God for our young people and uh, for a young lady like that to go over to Honduras for an entire month. Uh, that was a pretty big deal for us, actually six weeks. So we're thanking God. Let's again thank God for what he's doing in this place. Amen. <clears throat> I, I want to encourage you on the uh, birthday gift of Jesus. That's what we do. We're, we have our, we send our young people out. We have people that uh, most of these missionaries on our list have been touched by the ministry here. And uh, somehow God did something here, and now they're going around the world. So I want to encourage you to be praying over this list. Ask the Lord, what will you ask me to give? Lord, what would you want me to give to, to this birthday gift to Jesus this year? As you look, there's needs, and what we do is we all give together, and we meet these needs. And last year, we set the goal to 100000 We raised over 150. is Isn't that exciting? So we're looking forward to doing that again, whatever God does. And everything that comes over goes out. So everything that comes in goes to these folks. And anything that goes over, we go out, it goes out and supports these missionaries all around the world. So we're so thankful for that. And then today, I also want to encourage you on missions. This is the International Day of uh, Praying for Internationally uh, Persecuted Christians today. And so uh, there are these books out in the foyer, World Watch List. These are, there's one for each week of the year, a country that you can pray over and gives you just a little bit of background. I want to encourage you to grab one off the resource table as you leave. And uh, we are to pray for the persecuted Christians around the world. There are many of them. They're all over the world. I'll tell you what, uh, we've been so blessed in our country. Amen? 
And we have been blessed indeed. However, the Lord is, uh, is moving in all, all around the world, even in areas of great persecution. So I want to encourage you to be praying for those that are being persecuted right now. Uh, and this book here will actually help you to be able to pray better for that. But let's just open in prayer as we pray for the, uh, the persecuted around the world Christians. Lord, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for your work that is going forward all over the world. Lord, in this country and, uh, and, and beyond, Lord, you are moving and you're doing great and mighty deeds. Lord, we're so thankful for our young people like Lupe that could go out and, and uh, share the good news of Jesus in Honduras and make a difference, even as a young person. Lord, you said uh, to not let no man despise your youth. And Lord, just because they're young doesn't mean they can't do something powerful. And we're watching it happen before our very eyes. So, Lord, we thank you for Lupe. Thank you that she not only serves overseas, but she serves here every week. And she comes into our church and, and, and plugs in as part of the family of God and participates. And, Lord, we're just so thankful for her family and for all that you're doing uh, in and through her. God, I pray for each, uh, each one of these uh, countries, Lord, all around the world. Lord, you know the needs. You know the areas where people are, are hurting and where Christians are being persecuted today. Lord, even as we are trying to help plant churches in Nepal uh, through the birthday gift of Jesus, Lord, we know many of them are facing persecution. So, God, we come before you and we ask you now, Lord, to uh, put your hand upon the, the persecuted Christians around the world, Lord. And may your gospel go out stronger than ever before. Lord, use them in a mighty way, even in these dire circumstances. We ask for your protection, your strength, and your guidance. In your name we pray. Amen. We've been in our series, My Shepherd. We've been talking about the 23rd Psalm. And as you look at the 23rd Psalm, we've looked at the first two verses, and now we're into verse 3. So let's just pick up here. The Lord is my shepherd, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And last week we paused and we looked at how the Lord, not only He takes care of you, but He takes you to that place of rest. He makes us to lie down. And I know that for me, that's something that I'm growing in. I think the Lord is making me to lie down more and more. And He helps me to understand that He has taken care of everything. And because He has taken care of everything, when He says it's time to lie down, I know it's for His good, not for my good. Uh, it actually is my good on top of that. But listen, it's not just for my comfort. It's because God knows something big is happening in life. He says, I have provided all for you, and I want you to lie down and enjoy this rest. He leads me beside the still waters. The sheep won't even drink from water that's running rapidly. The water that's uh, in a brook. So a shepherd wants to, to help his, his sheep drink. If he comes up to a brook, he has to make a dam area. He has to dam the water and let the water pool up there and let them drink from the calm, still water. They won't drink from a running water. They're afraid. They're fearful. That's what we are. We're like the sheep. He is our shepherd and we are like the sheep. Verse 3, today's verse, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Oh, this is powerful. He restores my soul. And, and as you look at this, you say, wow, that, that, it's such rich words. And probably most of you have memorized this, this whole passage, Psalm 23. He restores my soul. Well, what does it really mean that He restores my soul? Well, as I was reading, uh, reading a book, that's, uh, as I'm studying this, called by Philip Keller. It's the Shepherd's Guide to the 23rd Psalm. He was actually a shepherd. And he talked in there about, about what is known as a cast sheep or a cast-down sheep. And I'll throw a picture up here of a cast-down sheep. 
what happens is the sheep can, uh, they're, they're a little top heavy. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, they have a distribution of weight problem. And, uh, and as they walk, sometimes they can get on uneven ground. And sometimes their weight can shift and they can roll over onto their side and then end up onto their back. Uh, and the heavy sheep will lie down like this in a little hollow, maybe that got uneven. And the sheep easily, easily shift a little too far. And pretty soon they're stuck there. And what happens is their legs start to, you know, flailing in the air. Their, their legs are waving and they're, and they're screaming. And, uh, and pretty soon they, they end up calming down because they know that they can't get off their back. They're just stuck. They're, they're stuck on their back. The world's upside down. Uh, and if the shepherd doesn't come and help them, pretty soon the gas is built up in the rumen and the blood circulation begins to, to drain away from their extremities. And so it be, the sheep becomes very vulnerable to attack, can't have any food, can't have any water. And so it's a terrible condition. If the shepherd doesn't come and help them, it's just a matter of hours before the sheep dies. And so I was thinking, wow, this is so foreign to how I live. I don't know anything about sheep. So I did what, what you would do. You go to Google, right? And I put in Google. I said, cast sheep. So I found this video. I want you to see this video of a cast sheep and how a shepherd takes care of a cast sheep. Well, greetings. Here we are out in the field. And uh, we got a sheep who's gone over on her back. Now, she's not able to get up. She's got herself into a, a situation where she rode over on her back. And because her back's quite flat, it's not allowing her to be able to get roll over. Now, if you see a sheep like this, help the sheep. Pull the sheep up because the sheep will eventually die. The gases will build up and, uh, and they will eventually have a heart attack. So, you have to approach the sheep carefully. It's not going to hurt you. And if you grab hold of it, hoof of its legs, give it a pull, pull it, pull it over, like I've done, oh, now, now it's back over, you can see how flat its back is, and that's the problem with sheep, uh, especially ones that are like this, a, a little bit, probably a little bit too much weight on, now, it's going to get back up, it's going to be a bit wobbly, been down for a little while so oh it's gonna work its way back up it's gonna just settle itself and there we have it so this sheep has been saved its life has been saved if it had been left there for a few more hours it would have died so it's important to check sheep regularly and also if you do see one then to make sure Make sure uh, that it's not on his back. So you're good, Chris. You saved my life. You're my hero. So if you ever find a, if you ever find a sheep like that, please pick him up, okay? But uh, I want you to catch this because when the, when he says he restores my soul, David was a shepherd, and he's saying, look, this, when I was on my back, when I when my legs were flailing, whenever I could not get up, the Lord restored me. And as we catch that, because I, I think that's a big thing for us to understand, life sometimes puts us on our back. Sometimes we tumble into the trenches of life, and man, we are overwhelmed, and we are cast down. We're not cast out, but we're cast down. 
and, and it seems like we're helpless, and it seems like we can't do anything to, to gain our footing. And, man, this is, this is like really a hard state. Maybe you've gone through a situation like that where you can say, wow, maybe you're in a situation like that right now. Where emotionally or spiritually or even physically, man, you just feel like, man, I am so down. I don't think I can get back up. Psalm 42, verse 5 says this. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Man, he says, listen, even though you're down, even though you're cast down, even though you're like the cast sheep, you're on your back and you can't seem to get up. Listen, hope is in God. Our our good shepherd is there and he is coming to restore us. Um, We're told in 2 Corinthians 7, 6 that God comforts the downcast. That's pretty powerful. When you're down, God is there to comfort you. He comforts the downcast. Um, In that particular passage in 2 Corinthians, he was talking about when Titus, they they sent Titus. God allowed Titus to come and encourage him. He said, God who comforts the downcast. He sent us our comfort. He sent us encouragement. And he begins to list some specific ways. Are you cast down? That's my question this morning. Are you are you downcast? Uh, What's got you on your back? What what, what has got it to where maybe it was just a little uneven and man, just the weight Literally, the weight of the world has, has flipped you upside down. And man, you just feel like that sheep that's kind of flailing and, and just crying. I want you to know right now this morning that every one of us, we need this little phrase, He restores my soul. That word restore there is a, is a Hebrew verb, and it means to turn back, to return. Uh, it means to restore vitality, to, to give vigor, to give strength. And so whenever we're looking at this, we're saying, man, He says, restore my soul. You know, when I think of uh, restoration, I think of a, an old car getting restored, don't you? You know, you hear restore. I'll never forget, I had a 77 Chevy Nova when I, was the first, you know, when I first became youth pastor here. That's, I had it in college and I came here. 77 Chevy Nova. It was white with red racing stripes. Can you imagine me driving that? I mean, I am still the man, but I, I have a, a little SUV now, right? Yeah. Mini, whatever they call this, uh, mini SUVs, right? Uh, listen, I was out there, and I'll, I'll never forget, that straight, it had a straight six in there. Even I could change the spark plugs. It was so fun. I enjoyed working on it. And, uh, and pretty soon that thing rusted out. And, I mean, I had holes in the sides of the, uh, of the, of the, of the panels. And uh, teenagers from the youth group would take their pop cans, and they would crush them, and they would put them inside of there. They would put little rocks in there. And so I'm going down the street and you hear this clink, 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 clink. And uh, pretty soon that car got pretty beat up and the rust was soon to take over. And I ended up going home. I was heading through. I lived in Dormont at the time. And I was heading home one night. It was late from here, probably 10, 11 at night, maybe midnight. And I was going through, through South Park and uh, the, the police pulled me over because it was missing a taillight, you know. And they said, sir, we have been watching you every day. You're not permitted to bring this car through here anymore. So that 77 Chevy Nova ended up going to the junkyard. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if I would have known what, what you could have gotten out of a 77 Chevy Nova now, like I would have loved to hung on to that and restored that thing. And when you see a, a beautifully restored, when they have the car crews up here or go down, go down here to the car crews down the hill as well, when I go out there and I see them, I'm like, oh. I had one of those, and the kids put pop cans in them. 
I mean, I was losing my mind. And when you see that, I'm like, if only I would have put it in the garage. But I had a wife and she wasn't. No, that was before her, okay? But my wife wouldn't have allowed me to have that car. Listen, this thing was beat up. It was destroyed. But when you see them restored, what happens to a restored car? Man, they come back. They look beautiful. They're top dollar. They're worth more than whenever they were first made. And many times, they even get new features added on. If you're restoring something old now, you might get an LED on there, wouldn't you? You might get all kind of new features that you might restore. And so this is what God does. When he restores, he takes something and he reinvigorates it. He gives it strength. And he gives us, as, as, as his sheep, he gives us power in the trenches of life. Because life has a lot of trenches that get us upside down. Number one, he restores us from sin today. I want to give you three ways that he restores us. Number one, he restores us from sin. Sin will trip you up all the time. I just want us to always remember that. Sin will always trip us up. Many people live under guilt and consequences of sin that has cast us down. Um, sometimes it's bad decisions. Sometimes it's accumulated guilt. Sometimes it's just the, the, a lot of decisions, a lot of things that have happened. And we start to look at all of our history and bad decisions and wrong decisions. And, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That can get us down. But I want you to be reminded that he, the Scripture says that He restores us. He restores our soul. Micah 7.19, the Scriptures tell us that, uh, that He will again have compassion on us and He will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Now, what does this say that God has done with our sin? He has cast them all where? In the depth of the sea. It says, all our sin. Not just the ones that you think, no, all of our sin. He has cast down all of our sin and he will subdue us. Uh, uh, he he casts down all our sin and he takes it into the depths of the sea. It's not just some of the sin. It's not just sin that you did for a short period of time. It is sin that has happened and is, there's no limit. There is no extent uh, or duration to this, he says, listen, all of our sin has been cast into the depths of the sea. He cast them into the sea of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to catch this because it's cast into the depths of the sea. Not just thrown out there, but he has taken it to the bottomless part of the sea. You go out there where, 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 where you're not going to come back. And he says, man, the sin has been buried down there. And I like what Corey Tenboom says. Corey Tenboom, she was a a Holocaust survivor and used greatly by God. Uh, people have read many of her books today. And she said this. She said, when we confess our sins and God cast them into the deepest sea and they're gone forever, then God places a sign there and says, no fishing allowed here. And I want you to catch this because there are sins that I have done, sins that you have done. They are in the deepest sea. And God is not wanting us to go back there and fish for those. He doesn't want us to go back there and say, hmm, I think I've got to pay more for this. Jesus paid for your sin once for all forever, and he buried it in the deepest sea. And when it has been buried, he is not thinking about it anymore. So neither should you. Catch that? I tend to dwell on my failures and my poor decisions. God is not dwelling on my failures and my poor decisions. 
God is only looking and he's saying, I have taken your sin and I have buried them into the deepest sea. I have placed them into the deepest sea. So what, what he's saying here, he's giving us this power of the forgiveness of God. And when you think about the soul that's restored, think about what Jesus has done. Think about how that he is, uh, is, is restoring you. Isaiah 118, we see another picture. And so God keeps giving us these vivid pictures. And as you see these pictures, I, I want you to start to visualize them. So one is the deepest sea. This one here, he says, he says that our sins, though they be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Pretty soon, you won't have to visualize this. You're going to look out your window and see this. About another month from now. And you're going to wake up and you're going to say, All that brown grass, all the dead grass, it looks beautiful because it's covered with about a foot of snow. And man, it is beautiful. You know what? When you don't have to go out and drive in it or shovel it or do anything to it, it is beautiful, isn't it? I mean, I take all kinds of pictures out my back window. But don't take any pictures while I'm shoveling, that's for sure. But I'll tell you what, look at the picture. Though your sins are deep stained, they'll be clean, white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103 says this. As far as the east is from the west, keep going east. Or west, I don't know. Keep going. As far as the east is from the west, and you will never... You will never come back. He says that's what God has done. He's taken your sin and he's cast them as far as the east is from the west. So far he's removed our transgression from us. Over in Second uh, Corinthians, he talks about a slate that's been wiped clean. He says our sin is like a slate that has been wiped clean. And I want you to think about this. If, uh, when I was a kid, we had chalkboards. Now I'm showing a little bit of my age because some of your kids don't know what a chalkboard is. They have dry erase boards and promethium boards and all that fun stuff, right? Computer screens. But when I was a kid, your name went on the board, meant you was in trouble. It meant that you got to stay after and got to have extra lessons. It meant that you had detention. And my name would get on that board. And I was so happy whenever they would take that eraser and wipe it off that board. And the scriptures tell us that that's what our sin is like. God says, your sin, he has taken it by the blood of Christ and he has washed it clean. Isaiah 38 says that uh, he has cast behind his back, cast our sin behind his back. Job 14:17 says that he has placed our sin, uh, our sin has been sealed in a bag, has been sealed in a bag never to be opened again. Isaiah says that it's like a cloud. He says like the cloud swipes away. He said that's what our sins are like. They're here and then it's gone. God has taken and he has forgiven. And he has only been able to do it through the power of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came and he died on the cross and paid for your sin and he rose again, man, our sin was forgiven once for all forever. And so what I would encourage you to do, if you're, you're saying, man, I'm dealing with being cast down and it's a sin issue. Number one, if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Start right there. Claim the promise of God. God, I come before you and I blew it. This is what I have done. God already knows that you've done it. He needs you to confess to him so you can agree with what he says. Agree that we have walked away from his word, away from his law. Then I come to him and I, and I accept forgiveness. 
When David says he restores my soul, he's saying that he restores me. He restores my emotional, my spiritual well-being. He restores my spirits. He restores my sense of usefulness, my sense of confidence. This is what happens. He restores my fellowship with God. One man said, one man was talking to his pastor one day, and he said that he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get back with God. He said that he remembered he had a great season when he first came to Christ, and, and, and for a few years it was going really, really well, and then he fell, and he had stumbled into some sin, and he just felt like, man, I cannot get back with God. And so I was talking to this pastor, and he said, hey, you know, I would love to be restored. I would give anything to be restored right now. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, yes, you can be restored right now. And he said, well, what do you mean? And then the pastor proceeded to tell the story to him. He said, suppose you had a daughter, and your daughter walked away from God. Your daughter walked away from you, walked away from everything, went out and lived a wild life, began to just blow all of your money, did everything that really would hurt you as dad. And then one day she comes home, and she walks in and sees her mother, and she hugs her mother. And she says to her mother, I'm so sorry. I just want to come home. And, what, and he says, what would you do? He says, well, obviously I would forgive her. And he says, well, how long would it take you to restore her? How long would it take you for that forgiveness? He said, well, it would be immediately. That's my child. And the pastor said, that's exactly the same thing it is with you. You're the child of God. And when you have sinned, when you have walked away from God, when you have turned against his ways and you come back to him, he doesn't say, well, you know, if you just would behave a little bit better, I, I'll, I'll give you restoration. No, he restores you and he restores immediately. The scripture says he restores my soul. It's a present tense verb. He restores. He does it now. You don't have to wait till you've done better. You don't have to wait. He says he restores you right now. He does it immediately. Um, Psalm 40, verse 2 says, He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. The final verse of Psalm 119 says this, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. I want to encourage you, if it's sin that's got you upside down right now, if you've been cast down because of a sin issue, there is freedom and there is hope. And the hope is in Jesus Christ. And when you come to him and say, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I have done wrong. In your walk with Christ, God says he forgives and he restores. Number two, the second thing that, we can, uh, that he restores from is stress. Anybody have any stress? Oh, yeah, a few of you are smiling. You know what stress is. Stress is in all forms today, isn't it? We have a lot of stress in our world today. Things are happening all over the place. Just, uh, just look at the climate of the, the political climate of our world. It's stressful out there. No matter what side you're on, it's stressful. Um, right now, the, uh, if, you, if you look at the, the economy, you'll get stressed out. You can look at your family and get stressed out. You can look at just about anything and get stressed out. And your stress has a, a terrible toll on our body, doesn't it? Like I've been reading about this lately, what stress can do to your body. Stress can actually just, uh, it, it, it wreaks havoc on your body. Sudden stress can create panic. Ongoing stress can create worry. Prolonged stress can create depression. 
So there's all kinds of things that this stress can do to us. And when stress involves someone near to us, man, it can really just destroy us. It can take us down. When you see your loved one hurting, when you see your kid hurting, when you see your spouse hurting, man, it can just really take you down. One lady who was talking about her, her stress, she was talking about her son. Her son was just a, a few years old and had, uh, had been dealing with a, an issue that they called failing to thrive. He wasn't able to eat. And so they knew that one day that uh, if they couldn't correct this, that they might have to go to a feeding tube to, to help the, the, the young child be able to get through this. And so she began to cry and she began to worry. She began to be stressed out. And one day she ends up at the doctor's office with him again. And the doctor gives her all the report and says, you know, there's one other thing that we really should try. And that's a feeding tube. And the lady begins to cry and the lady begins to to just be overwhelmed. And she said that day she went home and she began to pray about it. And, and she realized that she had to give up her struggle to be that strong mom. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Moms are some of the unsung heroes they are. They're some of the toughest people because they have to face a lot of situations like this. And she said that she had to give up her strong of we're not going to have that feeding tube. And she had to surrender. And she said this. She said, I tossed and turned. I drank my coffee early in the morning. I prayed and I thought, this road, though scary, is, a, is taking our family to a new place where pretty houses and cars mean little, where the American dream is a silly ideal, where the real world and the suffering within it are life-altering, and where the Lord immediately, deeply, gently, and passionately carves through our hearts to reveal potential for growth and strength that we never even knew to hope for. Words cannot even describe how beautiful that is. And the Lord is a gentle guide, a, conf a comforting companion, a wise counselor. And this road can only lead somewhere completely beautiful. And actually, the road itself, in all its messiness, is breathtaking and restorative. You look at that life and you say, this is so messy. This is so hard. Why? And God takes that and he turns it into something beautiful. And I love how she said, God took us to a place where our houses and the American dream didn't really matter too much. She found something a lot deeper. Isn't it amazing how half of our life we spend chasing the American dream? In the meantime, God has something a little bit more deeper for you. And I so pray that you will come to the shepherd and let him restore you. Think of the stress that we put into that car, into that house, into everything that goes with all that. When you're facing a rut in the road of life, you know where to find the everlasting arms that will pull you up. That's in your shepherd. During times of stress, God restores us with his almighty presence, his power, and his promises. We never face situations, listen, we never face any situation that is not covered by the promises of God. Man, that is so comforting. I'm not saying that the, that the, the pain you're experiencing is not real. It is very real pain. But I want you to know today 
that you have a shepherd that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that he says, I will take care of you. Um, he will restore your soul. Psalm 119, verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. He says, restore me here. That's the word, restore, revive. Psalm 119, 37, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Behold, I long for your, pre- I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. I'm afflicted very much. Oh, I love this verse. This is one to memorize. I'm afflicted very much. Revive me. Restore me, O Lord, according to your word. Thirdly, he restores from sorrow. He restores from sorrow. I want you to think about that because we've all faced loss, haven't we? Our lives are full of loss. I want you to know that if you're a year older than you were last year, which everybody is, You've lost a little bit of your youthful vigor. I, uh, I know what's in my life. I'm looking and say, wow, I used to be able to do that and that and that and that and get up and do all that and that and that. And now I just told my wife, I can't even do that. It's like, man, I used to stay up all night long. I, used to, I could be studying all night long. I could, I could, I, my mind would not stop. Now I'm like, it's 8 o'clock. It's time for bed. Man, I can't even comprehend that. What happened to me? Like I was this bowl of energy. And God says, listen, everything that you have in this world, you're going to lose. That's a tough lesson, isn't it? We're going to lose our health one day. One day we will all exit this world and we'll lose that health. One day we will lose all economics. You can't take it with you. Remember, one pastor used to say all the time, he never saw a U-Haul behind a hearse. And all that stuff we stressed over, you can't take it with you. We'll lose loved ones to death. We'll lose our health to disease. Everything we have on earth will eventually be lost. But the Psalms says this, though, though weeping may last through the night, Joy comes in the morning. I want you to know that the Lord wants to restore you from sorrow even. doesn't mean that you don't grieve. and doesn't mean that that grief doesn't take a number of time, a length of time. But I want you to know that your shepherd is there. And he says this in Psalm chapter 6. Be anxious. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With a thankful heart, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. That's a hard one. It's a hard one, folks. I think we're anxious about everything, aren't we? There's a whole lot of things that we can be anxious for. But God, in His wisdom, He told us, don't be anxious. Pray. Don't be anxious. Pray. Why is it easier for me to stay up and worry for hours? than to pray for an hour. It's amazing how that works. Somehow, I'm going to be in more control if I, if I Google search it all night long, if I worry about it, if I think about it, if I just go, ah. And at the end of the day, God says, I've got this under control. And he says, if you'll do that, if you'll not be anxious but pray, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.
I want to encourage you today to find the strength of God, of the good shepherd, to be continually sufficient. His strength will be sufficient for all of your needs. Not one promise, not one thing that you do is not covered by a promise of God. All those things that you think have taken you by surprise, they have never taken God by surprise. And he wants to restore your soul. And so I want to encourage you today as we wrap up here. Number four, the shepherd leads the way. He says he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And I I want you to think about this because the the sheep in Psalm 23, yeah, we kind of, because we're not in that culture, we don't think like this. But the sheep, they would go through the pasture and then they would have to go to other pastures. And they were, the shepherd would lead them down the next path. And the, ship, the shepherd, as a matter of fact, the flocks begin in green pastures. They could, they, then the shepherd would lead them down well-trodden paths. He would thread them through dark canyons, meander into alpine table lines, and circus, uh, circle back through autumn and, uh, in the fall through autumn days and arrive back at the master's house on the onset of winter. And so as he would make this journey, the sheep, they would have to trust the shepherd. And the shepherd was going to guide them. And as, the, as he did, I want you to catch this. The shepherd, my shepherd, has a strategy for every season. If you were to go over and read Genesis 37, it's powerful. Genesis 37, you'll, you'll see the, how that Jacob had sent his sons out to, with the sheep. And the, they were going for pasture. And talks about how they moved around. And that's when... He sent Joseph out to check on them, and they got rid of Joseph. My shepherd has a strategy for every season. And I want you to catch this, because when the shepherd is leading the way, he's going to take you down the right path. Now catch that. He is going to restore your soul, and he's going to take you down the right path. Not only will he take you down the right path, but he wants you to take the path that pleases God. And that is where he's going to lead. So when he's leading and guiding in your life, you can be rested assured that he has got you even in this season that it looks like there's no rain, there's no food, there's no... You can trust that my shepherd is going to restore you and he's not done with you. He's leading you down the path. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, as we prepare to sing our closing song today, I want to ask you to, to just meet with the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd, my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in paths of righteousness. Father God, be with each person today, Lord. May you open our hearts, Lord. God, some in this room and watching online need to open their heart to trust the shepherd. That Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for our sin. And if that's you today and you, you need to trust Christ, would you call on him and just pray unto the Lord and say, Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've sinned in the sight of an almighty God. But Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were buried and you rose again. And I invite you into my life and soul right now. And for others, maybe for you, you've been cast down. Maybe you're like that sheep 
on the back. And life's trenches have been overwhelming. I want to ask you today to come back to the shepherd. And your prayers, Lord, restore me today. This is instant. This is now. I accept your love, your forgiveness. God, I need you. Father God, I pray you'll continue to move mightily in all of our lives. Thank you for these powerful words of the shepherd. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. Fire warms my heart under the night sky.